Good morning, and peace be with you. I'm going to direct you to the bulletin and the insert of the events coming. The Mission Sunday at the top of the list. This month, your donations will go to help Orange County Care Connection Ministry, which is an adult daycare program for seniors that have Alzheimer's, and that is at Grace Lutheran Church. So we are still collecting that till the end of the month, and the proceeds will go to help a very excellent program there. So please uh, consider that. 60 years of blessings in November. We will be celebrating our 60th birthday on Saturday, November the 6th. And if you are interested in helping in any way, please come to our next meeting, which is Monday, August 9th at 11 a.m. Everyone is welcome. Please contact the office if you have any questions. And then the next one is near and dear to my heart, only because I just love seeing all the happy faces and the visitors that come and drop into my office after they're done. But that is Tuesdays, which is sit and be fit. And I uh, would love to see that get even fuller. I, there's uh, like 12 or more on uh, there. So come and sit and be fit. Ashley does a dynamite job. Uh, and it'd be better if you're there. So that's about it. You can read the rest of the uh, noteworthy uh, events yourself. And um, we do have a, a visitor here. Where did you go? George, there he is in the back. We have Pastor George Hines in the back. Say hello. Many of you already know him, and George is going to um, fill in the pulpit supply uh, uh, when I'm away with my family on vacation. Um, so thank you very much, George. And he's just wanting to see how um, you all behave during... Uh... But thank you, George. Welcome. All right. Well, Tim, let's get started. Mysterious and unknown 
Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, the protector of all who trust in you, strengthen our faith and give us courage to believe that in your love you will rescue us from all adversities. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. 
The first reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17, and can be found on page 13 in the Pew Bible. So after the flood, Noah steps out of the ark into a land devoid of humans, but God gave him a reassuring promise. Genesis 9, 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbows in the cloud, and I will be the sign and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbows appear in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Next, we'll read Psalm 136, verses 1 through 9, responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. This psalm is about David giving thanks for an answered prayer. Psalm 136, 1 through 9. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. The next reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and can be found on page 1820 in the Pew Bible. About 60 years after Jesus' death, Paul is writing from a Roman jail to the church in Ephesus about the family of God, the past, present, and future believers of God, the Father. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love will surpass knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please stand if you're able? Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Holy Gospel is of St. Mark this morning from the sixth chapter. It is found on page 1563, 1563 of the Pew Bible. Mark 6, verses 45 through 56. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. And while he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him, and they were terrified. And immediately he spoke to them, and he said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus, and they ran throughout that whole region, and they carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
You may be seated. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel picks up where we left off from last week on the feeding of the 5,000 last week's gospel. You may remember the Jesus, that Jesus and the disciples attempted to go to a deserted, secluded spot. They had been busy, and there wasn't even enough time to sit, rest, and eat. The people wanted so much for them, and I likened it to them going across the Sea of Galilee on a little cruise. And the problem with that, as we read last week, was that the crowds figured it out where they were going, and they ran along the side, and when they landed at their not-so-desolate, deserted spot, the people were waiting for him. And Jesus did teach these people all day, all day long. And when it came time to eat, we read that he used a few loaves of bread and two unremarkable small fish to feed the whole group. And last week's gospel informed us this, which is astounding. But it said that the entire group ate, and they were satisfied. Now, in our world, many can't even imagine in Orange County or most places in the United States, can't even begin to understand that at the time of today's gospel, it is possible, likely, that only the very wealthiest of people got up from a meal totally satisfied. Is it possible? Is it possible that the average person of that time never had enough food to be satisfied, let alone totally satisfied? Could it have been that most of the time that the average person was a little bit hungry at the end of every meal? Now, so when Jesus finished feeding them and they were satisfied, that was really unusual. They were full. They were satisfied. And it was good because it came from Jesus. It came from God himself. That's the best bread you'd ever have. The best fish. We know by the wedding in Cana, it was the best wine ever. Heavenly. So these people were pretty excited. Nay, I say, they were stoked. This was great. It's also unusual that if we compare this account, this historical account in John's gospel, it informs us that the people wanted to make Jesus their king. It doesn't say that in the Mark version, but in John 6.15, read it. 
John 6.15, it says, I'll paraphrase, Jesus knew that they were intending to make him be the king by force. Now you could say, well, after all, you know, who wouldn't want a king who fed them free food for the rest of their life? But they were going to try to make him king by force and feed him and teach them, entertain them, and heal them. I don't know about you, but that kind of took the whole park-like picnic thing right out the door. That sinful flesh. Oh, man, I want Jesus as long as he's feeding me. Hmm, yeah. Boy, things are going good. Jesus, you stay here. I'm going to go over here and, you know, you don't want to go with me. Isn't that like us? Jesus knew that. He sensed it. And so he got up and he sent his disciples out before they got swept up in the frenzy that was going to come. Because there were non-salvation issues that the people were focused on. They were wanting their tummies to be filled. There was work to do that Jesus had. There was lessons to learn by his disciples. So he put them on a boat and sent them on their way. He dismissed the crowds and he went to a place to pray. Now, since our Gospels tell us that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, it is not unreasonable to assume that when he got finished, that he could stand on the mountain and he could look down on the sea. And when he looked down, he saw that the disciples were struggling against the wind. And one gets the impression that it took all the rowing that they could do just to keep the boat steady and away from the rocks. And Mark then tells us that it was the fourth watch of the night by the time Jesus came down from the mountain and walked out onto, not into, out onto the Sea of Galilee. Now the fourth watch. Does anyone know when that is? It's the last three hours before sunrise. And I have to be honest, um, I don't have a lot of experience out on the water, but I've spent several days, trips out off the coast here, between here and Catalina and so forth. But these, uh, these fishermen had to be exhausted. And, uh, you know, when that, that, those rollers get to going and the water's coming up over the boat and you're bailing and all of these things this is this is bad and they'd been at it for half of the night and i don't know about you but if you've ever been out and about maybe in the wilderness or something at night um sound is amplified and you can hear things that you normally couldn't hear and maybe you can convince yourself that you're seeing things that aren't really there now imagine this, here comes Jesus taking a stroll on the lake and he's walking on top of the water and these guys thinking they're going to die and all they could see was a dim figure walking on the water and their imagination was pretty wonderful, combine that with fatigue and 
they thought that a specter, a ghost, was coming for them, going to take them somewhere they didn't want to go, and they were terrified. And this is one of those times where, honestly, nobody could blame them. Most people would admit that under these extreme circumstances that they too would be seeing ghosts. However, as Jesus always does, he lives to intercede. He calmed their, fear, their fears as he called out to them, and he said, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat, and the wind ceased. And this is now the second time in, in Mark's gospel that um, Jesus demonstrated control over the weather. And then the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to tell us something that is really surprising. You see, by now the apostles have seen that Jesus has control over diseases, that he has control over injuries and demons and the weather and even death. They've seen all of this. And then Jesus delegated his power to the apostles. And they, the apostles, had authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And last week, we learned that the disciples witnessed Jesus feed a crowd of 5,000 with a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines. 5,000 people. And after all of this, the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to write that their hearts were hardened, that they saw all of this that was done for them, through them, by Christ, and their hearts were hardened. And that means that they still didn't have an accurate idea of who Jesus was. In reality, all four of our gospel accounts tell us that nobody Nobody understood who Jesus was until he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And it is only then that the disciples really understood that Jesus is true God who has taken on flesh and dwelt among us. So, what can we learn? What can we learn from this event in the life of Jesus and his disciples? Well, today's Old Testament lesson reminds us of one thing that we can learn, and it is the account of the aftermath of the great flood. Ever since Noah took his little congregation of seven people aboard the ark, ever since then, watercraft have been a metaphor for the church. Look at the ribs that we have in this church. Ships, boats, floating planks have been used to represent the church at one time or another. And today's gospel quite literally places Jesus's, Jesus, his congregation, once again, out on the water. And one thing we can learn is that the church works a lot better 
when Jesus is in the boat. Unfortunately, there are people who try to do church without Christ. And there's a Dr. Michael Horton who wrote a book, and it was entitled Christless Christianity. Christless Christianity. Can you imagine? And within this book, Horton documents and laments the lack of Christ in America's churches today. He laments the fact that so many churches teach a Christ that cannot be found in the Bible. Jesus gave us the definition of the Christ when he said this in Luke 24, verse 46. He said, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Pretty simple job description. But even so, many churches teach a Jesus who is no more than a great moral teacher. He's a fine example of living a, he's a life coach or merely a noble martyr. He's a nice guy and smart too. No, he's not. That's wrong. They, they forget to teach the Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead, Christ, and him crucified. Simple. And many teachers uh, of, uh, in churches teach that Christ crucified in order to bring people into the church, but once the people join, they abandon that topic. Instead, they teach that Christ crucified is just the starting point. And after a person becomes a Christian, it is time to grow spiritually by means of self-improvement. The topic switches from Christ on the cross to your Christian walk, your obedience, your spiritual gifts, your ministry, your efforts, your moral improvement, your choices, your example, your lifestyle, your perfection. It is as if they believe that Christ crucified gets a person into the church, but after that, a person no longer needs Christ. Or, they feel they won't stay in church. This should not be. So to return to our boat metaphor, Christ puts us in the boat, but then we leave him on the shore. And when the disciples did that, all they got was a strong headwind. They were unable to get anywhere. That's the same thing that happens to you and to me. If we try to do church without Christ, then the law is all that we have left. The law's main job is to show us our need for Christ. And if we, if we insist on continuing without Christ, then that is all of the law and its condemnation. That's what we get. And many people have become experts at hiding the condemnation of the law, since it is the nature of the law to judge, and nobody likes to be judged, 
Other phrases for the law have become popular things like this. People say they are living the victorious Christian life. They are living a life of purpose or living the sanctified life or any other number of catchy euphemisms for living by the law. All of these phrases, they sound so righteous. They sound so holy. But um, whatever people call it, it is all about what you do. Whatever people call it, it's all about you and your testimony, your choices, your example, your lifestyle. It's all about what you do. And that's law. Jesus had a simple teaching about how well we must keep the law. Do you remember it? What did he say? I had to look it up too. This is what he said. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Are you as perfect? perfect as God the Father in heaven? I know I'm not. If Christ is not in your boat, if you are trying to live by the law, then perfection is all that counts. And Adam and Eve only had to commit one sin to let death into the world. Just one sin. And if you are to live by the law, you cannot even commit one sin. Well, it's too late. Have you ever lied, even once? Then you're a liar. Have you ever taken a pencil home from the office without permission? Even if you work for yourself? <laughs> then you're a thief. Have you ever hated somebody, anyone, ever? then you're a murderer. Have you ever had a fantasy about someone other than your spouse? Then you're an adulterer. Have you ever failed to protect someone's reputation when you heard a story about them? Did you step in to defend them? If not, you're a gossip. The Holy Spirit inspired the prophet Isaiah to write this, Isaiah 64, 6. All our righteous deeds, all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. If even our righteous deeds condemn us, what chance do we have? That is why. That is why it is so important that Christ is in the church. When Jesus walked out onto the water and got into the boat, the headwind, it died down. It went away. When Jesus is in the church, he takes away the headwind of our sins. 
And Jesus is the one who is the perfect husband to be, the perfect husband to his bride, the church. He's perfect. Jesus is the perfect son who does the will of his father. Jesus is the one who is perfect just as his heavenly father is perfect. Jesus is the one who gives us his perfection in baptism. Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world with his suffering and his death on the cross. Jesus is the one who opens up heaven for us with his resurrection. Jesus is the one who is always with us in his ascension. Without Jesus, the church is dead. With Jesus, the church is eternal. The church only works if Jesus is in the boat. The law is good. Don't get me wrong. The law is good. It's perfect. But the law is incomplete without the gospel. And without the gospel, the law can only condemn. It can show us that we are sinners. It can show us that we need a Savior. But without the gospel, we don't know who that Savior is. Without the gospel, we are condemned to try and save ourselves. And it is only when Jesus is in the boat, it is only when the church proclaims not only the law, but also the gospel, that we know we have salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace, faith. So ever since the days of Noah, People have compared the holy Christian church to a ship. And how do we know that we are on the right ship? Well, we know when the Word of God, both the law and the gospel, are taught in their truth and purity. And the gospel is also delivered in the administration of the sacraments according to Christ's command. This is the Holy Christian Church. This is the ship that sails in the forgiveness of Christ crucified. And whenever you find this, Christ is in the boat. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go.
by who say his mercy endures forever let the house of Aaron say his mercy Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. You rule earth and sea and sky, and we give you thanks for the blessings of creation and life that come from your abundant goodness. Give to your church boldness to speak of your awesome deeds and sing always of your righteousness. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, you are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even think. Be glorified in your church and in Christ Jesus. Ground us in love. Give us a faith rooted in the promises of Christ and give us strength to comprehend with all the saints his love that surpasses knowledge. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named as you preserved Noah and his family and brought forth new life from the ark under the promise of your covenant. Bless now our families also. Make marriages strong and fruitful according to your will. Let your word rule in every home, uniting its members in forgiveness and causing your son to dwell in every heart through faith. Lord, in your mercy, Lord of might, spare us and future generations from wickedness. Give blessing to our nation and its leaders to rule according to your good pleasure. Protect the members of our armed forces, police, and other public servants. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, through your Son and his reconciling death, we receive all good gifts, healing and sustenance. We bring before you the sick and those in need, those that are on our hearts and those who we mention out loud right now. Father, give them healing and protection and encourage them in the midst of this life by the recognition of your fatherly providence known in Christ, our Savior. Lord, in your mercy, O oh Lord, do not allow our hearts to become hardened by indifference or any frustration in this world. Give us understanding and courage to sustain us in this valley of sorrows. Lead us to your blessed sacrament with repentance and faith that eating your true body and drinking your blood we may receive forgiveness of sins and confidence according to Christ's New Testament. Lord, in your mercy. And all these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him 
who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please stand if you're able? Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption that all of you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks, and then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
I wonder sometimes to myself if you ever think, how many times is he going to say Christ and him crucified? Doesn't he know anything else? And the answer is no. <laughs> that's the important part. And that's the point of why we're here and the point of that sermon and the point of everything we do without Jesus Christ and him crucified. All of this is for naught. And he invites you and you have accepted him to be his. And therefore we know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. We know that you are written in that book because you have confessed him with your lips. You have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you are receiving a sacrament this morning that does rescue you from death and the devil. That does rescue you and give you salvation forever. This is quite frankly, the happiest, most satisfying meal that you'll ever get. And if that's your confession, and I heard you, then you may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
Jesus, the Savior. 
Christmas there. Well, that's, that's it, folks. Christ in him crucified. Amen. Amen. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our uh, closing hymn is, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and 